This podcast includes information provided by the issuer and does not express the views of the interviewer. This podcast may also include forward-looking statements by the issuer that involve certain risks and uncertainties to its business. Because forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, the issuer's actual results could differ from those indicated in this podcast. This is Robert Kraft, and I'm your host of the Planet Microcap podcast, as well as the Planet Microcap Showcase Virtual Investor Conference and SNN Network's YouTube channel. And I am very pleased to bring you all the final panel of the day here for our Microcap Investing Workshop, the Planet Microcap podcast live virtually. Um, Normally, we do this in Vegas, uh, where all of us are on a panel. Usually, uh, we have a a libation or two uh, uh, while we're doing this, but... uh, in lieu of all that, we're from the comfort of our own homes, uh, staying safe, and uh, hopefully we can uh, bring you guys a little bit of entertainment here today and uh, really more or less what we're all doing uh, <laughs> with, with the pandemic that's happening. So without further ado, let me introduce our panelists today. Uh, we have Jason Hirschman from Hudson 215 Capital, Sam Namiri from Ridgewood Investments, Maj Don from geoinvesting.com, and Connor Haley from Alta Fox Capital. And uh, gentlemen, how are we all holding up? Everyone good? Doing well. Sam? Yeah, we're hanging in there. <laughs> Connor? Sur- surviving. Very good. And Maj? Oh, just same, same. All the above. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, you know, uh, this is our take three. So I'm, I'm hoping that we, <laughs> I'm hoping we make it through. But, uh, you know, w- with that, uh, to start off for this panel, I- I'd like to get everybody's background real quick couple sentences as well as your investing strategy and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes so uh starting off uh jason floor is yours sure that's great uh and thanks again for having me here uh here bobby again the name is jason hirschman i run a uh, a family business and a family office i've been investing for 20 plus years Uh, i've been running a family business for 20 plus years and my basic style is uh growth at a reasonable price I'm also a very concentrated investor. Perfect. And then Sam? Hi, I'm Sam Namiri. I run Ridgewood Investments Microcap Fund. Um, and in the past, I used to have a jewelry company sold online. Um, my, my investing style is uh, private equity type value investing. Um, quick. We'll get into it probably throughout the conversation. That's um, for sure. Yeah, that's the quick. All right. And then Connor? I run Altafox Capital Management, a uh, long short hedge fund based out of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, typically focus on small and micro cap securities with uh, a really strong growth runway. Try to develop a sort of variant view on normalized earnings and free cash flow, sort of looking three to five years out. And then Maj? Hey, yeah, um, I'm co founder of Geo Investing. I'm a full time investor. I started investing in the, um, in the 80s, a long time ago. And um, Geo Investing is a uh, membership-only uh, website where we highlight our research ideas to our members. Um, in terms of investment style, it's pretty, we have a pretty wide array of things we look at, anywhere from traditional growth value to social situations. Uh, mainly look at longer-term um, plays and maybe it's a little bit of trading around that, but mainly uh, concentrated portfolios. Perfect. All right. So let's get to that 500-foot or pound elephant in the room and and really dig in here 
you know, how's everyone been handling their, uh, how's their thesis, I guess, changed since uh, the official call that we're now in a pandemic? So I think, uh, Connor, you, you've been pretty public with some of the moves that you've been making. So uh, I'll throw it to you first. You know, how, what, what have you been up to? What, how have you been handling it? Well, first, that's a very small elephant, 500 pounds. And uh, I would much rather face that than the, the current pandemic uh, in the world and in our portfolios. Um, but I, I guess I would say, uh, you know, look, this is, you know, argu arguably a one in a hundred year event. Um, I think no one really has had or even still has like uh, a playbook for how exactly you're supposed to navigate a pandemic with, you know, a wide variety of government responses. So, you know, in some sense, we're all learning on the fly. Um, you know, while it's been, a, you know, a period of extraordinary stress in the markets and for portfolio managers, it's also, uh, I, I think, will present incredible opportunities. And so I think, you know, investors who are able to stick to their investing process while incorporating, um, you know, real-time information um, and, and filtering that with the most objective, uh, you know, lens that, that, that they can, uh, will be able to find really attractive opportunities. Uh, I mean, I've never seen, I don't think anyone, any investor alive has really seen a market that has moved this quickly and had, you know, companies' fortunes changed overnight, right? You have investing theses playing out and then suddenly, you know, they're closed for business, right? That, that's, that's not really a scenario anyone ever models. And so it's been an extraordinary time, but I'm, I'm certainly excited to speak with the other panelists and hear how they've been navigating it. But uh, we've, we've tried to stick to our investing process um, and, and you know, try to scoop up bargains when they become available. Sounds good. Well, you know, with our other three panelists, you know, Jason, Maj, and Sam, I've done interviews with you fairly recently over the last month, you know, uh, and I, I want to throw to Jason because last time we talked, um, you know, bad day as an investor, great day as a business owner because you're, yes. you're, you know, yes. your, your, uh, your plant, your manufacturing plant opened back up in China. So, yeah. you know, tell us what's been going on since the last time we chatted. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because the last time we chatted, and I think I used the phrase like rolling blackouts, right? We were expecting more of a rolling blackout to come, at least I was expecting a rolling blackout to come to, to the United States. What I wasn't expecting was like a national blackout, right? I was expecting more just regional, localized sort of shutdowns. And I think uh, when, when it goes national, it just changed, changed things dramatically, right? So in essence, what's happened, ironically enough, uh, a few days ago, my factories had to close down again because there's simply not enough orders going to them because of this national blackout that we have. So, you know, the supply chain was screwed up, you know, fixed itself, and now it's, it's screwed up again. So there's tremendous ramifications that, that, that's, that's occurring that, that is really hard to, uh, as an investor, take, you know, take into account. Right. No, I mean, it, it's... Nobody, I mean, look, right. there was predictions that, you know, that this could become a pandemic, but then how right. it would affect everything. I don't right. think anybody was ready for the impact that it's had on just all, all businesses, you know, right. uh, large exactly. and small, you know, so right. I mean, right. let me, let me throw it to Maj a little bit because Maj, I know you've, you've seen a few of these, um, I guess, let's say crises, not, not in terms of pandemics or, you know, health crises. But you've you know you've seen uh, uh, some crashes and and uh, and recessions hit. So I mean you know from your experience, from what you've seen, from the dot com bubble to the recession twenty two thousand eight, you know back into the early you know late late eighties. I mean 
what are you seeing right now and how is this different? Well, I mean, obviously it's different in terms of, you know, everything is disrupted and there's, there's nothing going on, but you know, you, you always tell yourself you'll be ready for something like this because you've gone through it before and, and, but it's never the same. <laughs> so, um, and that, that was interesting. And I think that what's, what I find really, um, peculiar here is that, you know, it's different than other, even like 2008 or other, other times is the response is very, very fast by the government. And that, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. And I think that's, um, going to be, you know, going to help us here. I um, mean, when you look, when you look back at 2008, nine recession, no one can get out of their way. We couldn't make a decision, uh, you know, for, for, for weeks. Um, so, and even when you look at, I guess the great depression, it took some time to get something going there. So this was a really fast kind of powerful reaction by the government. I don't know if it's, we don't know if it's gonna be the right one yet, but you have, um, that's one kind of positive I take out of it. And, um, you know, what's, what, what's interesting about all these, what, what happens all, you know, through all these type of, well, at least that I've been through is that we evolve. Um, some, some companies will, 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 will be suffer for a long time, maybe forever, but others will, you know, maybe benefit and hate to use that word, but, um, it is, it is how things happen and, and you know, businesses evolve, um, the way we do things evolve. And then there's, I mean, there's growth around that, right. uh, you know, some companies, are going to see, you know, be able to pick up market share because their competitor, their weak competitors are going to go away. The ones, you know, have bad, you know, a lot of bad balance sheets, um, just, just bad business plans. Um, they're going to leave or be acquired maybe. So right. uh, that's going to be interesting too. So um, right. I think it's, it's always different though. It's always yeah. different. Yeah. No, the word bittersweet is being, you know, you, I, I use it all the time because it's, you know, look, especially even for us, like we're, we have an office, I'm working from home now, you know, I get to be around my daughter all the time, who's three months old and it's great get to have that. But at the same time, you know, there's just, there's just so much suffering. Look, I, I also want to say just to make sure that it's very clear, like, look, we're having an investor conversation. We're talking about investing, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of jobs, jobs, lives, everything at risk, you know, so just want to make sure that's clear so that, you know, if anybody wanted to take this the wrong way, that's, that's where we're coming from is as investors and really wanting to come up with some tools to how uh, we can navigate these waters. So, you know, with that, I'm going to now throw to you, Sam. I mean, <laughs> since our last chat, I mean, how you've been holding up, what, what have been some of the strategies you, you've been putting into place? Strategies is, <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> how do you have a strategy? Because, <laughs> um, you know, every day things change. I think when we first spoke, it was like right at the first few days of like major market volatility. Um, and I don't think anyone expected at that time for things to be shut down completely like they are now. Um, but I mean, for me, it's like every day, it's, I've never really had to think so much in terms of what happens, you know, on the macro type environment, like, like today. Um, so now I'm like reading the stimulus bills that get passed. I see who's, who can actually, you know, apply for loans and different things from the small business administration and you know other government programs I've, I've never really needed to do that too much in the past other than you know a specific one that relates to a specific company now it's like you know every company that we invest in you know potentially potentially can get a benefit or not get the benefit of these pack these packages so um i mean that's really where my strategy change is that now you have this huge macro overlay that, that plays um you know on every every single business in the world pretty much gotcha so. All right. So one, one of the main questions that I wanted to throw to everybody here and to get all your opinion is, you know, how has this pandemic and everything that we're going through, how has that really changed the way uh, you all think about investing in general? You know, 
you know, we'll throw microcaps in there, but also just the idea of investing because this is, it's really unprecedented, everything that we just went through, you know. So, uh, Sam, I'm going to throw it back to you first and then we'll kind of, let's go in reverse order. How about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, think I kind of answered that in the last, the last question that, that I answered. Um, but, I mean, it's, it really hasn't except for that, you know, I think it reinforces that there are these black swan events that can happen that, you know, no, no, I don't think anyone, I think Connor, I don't know if you mentioned it in one of our chats or here, you know, most businesses, you don't model for it, revenue going to zero, you know, for a period of time and who knows how long that period lasts for. And so I don't think anyone has, you know, one of their situations where that happens. So, you know, now it's happened and, you know, how, how, do, how do business survive? What do they do? You know, what, what government assistance is there there? What banks, you know, what access to debt can they get? Um, you know, what happens to equity? And you know, there was a really interesting, uh, you know, talk by, I can't pronounce his name, Chamath Palat, I don't know, <laughs> the, the SpaceX board, uh, SpaceX president, but he was like, you know, let the airlines fail, right? Let them go through bankruptcy. Um, you know, someone else will take over the assets and run the business. So, um, you know, the, the, these are the questions that, um, I mean, these are the things that start, like you start thinking about when you see something like this happen. And now, now I think pretty much, at least for, you know, the next, two, three years or however long we can remember this feeling, I think most investors will think about what happens in a revenue zero situation. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and then, so Maj, what about you? I mean, how is, how is just investing changed for you? You know, has it changed? I think, I think emotionally you need to be prepared for something like this. And that's what I try to do. And it's only behavior because I haven't really changed much of how I look at how I look at companies. I'm still valuing the companies the way I would normally value them. And I'm not looking how my, how the firms will look six, nine months from now and say, well, is it, has the stock, has the stocks I own, own right now, you know, fallen to a level where it's crazy evaluation a year and a half from now, you know, so basically a checklist, you know, one by one, each company, what do I think the outlook looks for the company right now and what it looks like a year and a half from now. And what, um, so, I really haven't changed that much. And I've actually been asking my question, like the companies that I do own, of course there are going to be some firms I don't want to own anymore. Just that I just can't figure it out right now. And I can always get back into them, but there's always, there's these companies also that I'm finding out like, wow, they're going to actually maybe be stronger and come out of this. So, and, and it's when I, when this crash started happening, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to go buy all these new companies in my portfolio. And I was like, wait a second, you know, my own stocks, you know, that I own are pretty cheap here. And why don't I just add more of those and become more concentrated? So um, that's kind of how I'm looking at I'm not changing much. I'm just looking at the same, I'm evaluating it kind of the same way I would always evaluate it, but I'm not looking at necessarily what does this look like six months from now? I'm looking at what does it look like a year and a half from now? And if these companies are still going to be around, I'm be able to buy stocks right now that were trading six months ago at, you know, still cheap valuations. Now they're even cheaper based on that particular, when they get back to that number. Um, so um, that's I'm not really doing anything fancy about it. So gotcha. Jason. I think, you know, I'm a growth investor, right? And so what I really am looking at in my portfolio is I don't want to become an accidental turnaround investor, right? So you're looking for certain companies, you're viewing every company that you own and saying, is this company permanently damaged because of the coronavirus, right? And you have to think about a few scenarios, right? The V, the U recession, how long this, this uh, no revenue conditions go, what their balance sheet looks like now. And you don't really want your portfolio to, to tr dramatically change just because uh, of, of the coronavirus, right? 
Um, so it basically comes down to, I always ask myself three questions. Like what do I, of the stuff I own, what should I buy more? Of the stuff I own, what should I sell? And of the, the stuff I follow, what should I, what should I buy? And you know, the, the coronavirus changes things. It makes things much more difficult in the short term, right? But in, in some ways, I would, I would disagree by saying it's so different than you know, the Great Recession. That was remarkably different, too, right? And it was a banking-centered uh, recession, but you know, banks were going under, just like retails or retail conditions are really suffering. So, yeah, you know, the, song, the, the song is different, but it's still, it's just still the same old rock and roll, you know? So uh, basically just going down the list and seeing, you know, what, what should I do in the short term? That's an interesting analogy. I mean, this is like, you know, this is like Rolling Stones rock and roll that we're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> the Great Recession, that was pretty bad too, right? And, 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 and that one, we didn't even know whether the government was going to step in in the beginning, right? Like Maj said, like this one is an immediate government reaction, right? We know the government is going to backstop a number of industries, at least try to help out small businesses. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, early on in the Great Recession, we didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah. I mean, one, one quick follow-up in... I mean, are you now thinking about, I mean, obviously now there's a lot more factors. Sam alluded to this earlier where, you know, you're reading a lot more about different policies that are in place. But I mean, it, it seems like now you have to think about different types, of, not just risks, but um, different factors that could affect those different industries or be catalyzing for those industries down the road. Like, and, and for instance, different policies that might be coming to, into place and thinking about how the government might affect some of these different industries. So, I mean, you know, how, how much... I guess thought are you guys putting into that now when you're evaluating some of these micros out there? And, and Jason, sorry, I'll throw. Oh, it okay. I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I'm always. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like Peter Lynch in, in the sense that I really want to focus on on the individual company conditions, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm reluctantly, I'm a reluctant macro investor now to the extent I am. Right, you have to read through these policies. You have to consider how it affects the balance sheet. You know, the PPP program, especially for for micro caps. Um, but you know, I, I still, and maybe it's foolish, but I, I still think that, you know, uh, a few years out, you know, we're going to go back into, into normal conditions again. So it's, I don't want to shift too far the other direction and really play a game that isn't really not my natural game. Gotcha. All right. Well, I a hundred percent agree with you, Jason, on that. Um, but I think what I'm getting where I'm starting to read about like, you know, the actual details of the PPP program and other government loans is that you know, will they be able to survive? You know, who knows how long this goes? This is like a one month. You know, like what, what is your base case when it comes to, you know, what the world looks like until you get out to that three year time period where things, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, I think things will normalize and become, you know, back to somewhat normal with, with this slight, you know, pain that we've had <laughs> over this last two months or so. Um, but, you know, again, how do you get there, right? Can you survive and make it there? That, that's really the key. Um, and I end up like when I look at a specific company and I'm like, well, how do they survive? What access to debt do they have? What access to, you know, any type of capital um, or, or something? Um, you know, that's when I go and I read the documents and I'm like, wow, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe with some guidance, this may be a great time to help companies get through it. Right. And especially things that are undervalued. Maybe they don't realize, oh, they have access to this you know, interest free loan for I don't know, a year where they only need to pay interest and they don't even need to start paying interest until the year, until 12 months from now. So um, that, that's where I think, you know, this market creates opportunity for, you know, the things that have been beaten up the worst, like travel, 
you know, casinos, uh, restaurants. Um, and if they're able to get assistance and be able to make it through, right? I think a lot of them won't make it through. That's, that's one of the issues, right? A lot of them are like, I don't even want to deal with this anymore. It was a hard enough business before it started, you know, let's, let's not keep it up. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like, uh, the strong will survive. The good ones will get more market share once things normalize. The question is, you know, when, when does that happen? So, sure. um, so Con- Connor, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I mean, I- I had the original question earlier and you know, how, you know, investing may have changed for you, but you know, we just talked about a couple of different policy things that could affect certain industries. I mean, what, what's your take there? Yeah. I mean, I, look, I'd say we've had this period of, uh, you know, rapidly changing facts, right? The, ch- the facts, the case numbers, like you can go crazy tracking case numbers and deaths and curves in every country and, track every regulatory change in each country and what governors are saying you could spend 24 hours a day doing that. Um, and, you know, certainly there are some investors who, uh, you know, some I really respect who have talked recently about, you know, trying to, to sort of time cyclical stocks coming out of this because they've been punished too much and things like that. That's not really my strategy. You know, I, I've tried to take a somewhat COVID-19 neutral view and that's really hard to do, right? Because it dominates the everyday headlines and, you know, everybody wants to know, like, when you think we're going to recover and things like that. But I also don't think I really have an edge in, in knowing, like, you know, when COVID comes back. You know, I study these things. I'm aware of all the facts. But do I really want to be, you know, have the uh, dominant portfolio changes and tweaks being made on whether I think, you know, we're going to come back sooner or later from COVID? Uh, not really. And so, you know, I, I think, in you know, in this market environment where, day-to-day swings are crazy. Everyone's concerned about short-term. If you can afford to step back for just a second and take a longer-term view, focus on the next three years, um, that, that's where you can really have an advantage. That's my general strategy. Now, I've had to make some tweaks to that, right? Like you have to make, uh, have a heavier emphasis on strong balance sheets, for example, right? Because a lot of companies can't afford to take a three-year view. Uh, but if you can, and, and, and frankly, a lot of investment managers uh, can't afford to take it that either, uh, given sort of the constraints with clients. So I, I think if you're in a position, though, to take a long-term view, both with the companies you own, the companies you're researching, and the investors in your strategy, there will be tremendous opportunities here. And there are opportunities for things that have been you know, beaten up more than they should, uh, for things for sort of baby thrown out with the bathwater. Um, yeah, you know, when everyone's focused on the day-to-day, looking at the three-year picture, I think will provide sort of competitive advantages. Well, you know, Connor, coming back to you real quick, because, you know, and, and you guys have all alluded to this idea of thinking long term and, you know, having that three year time horizon and also, you know, wanting to look at strong balance sheets. You know, there's a couple different check marks, but just trying to think philosophically or even holistically now at certain industries that you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to the cruise line industry, the hotel and tourism? I mean, be, because these, there's so much still unknowns surrounding some of these industries out there you know, as an investor, how do you, how do you think about it? I mean, cause there before, obviously before everything that happened here, there were some good businesses with strong balance sheets. And now you're thinking to yourself, okay, they got strong balance sheets, but even if this comes, even if things start to come back in a year, year and a half, I mean, it, it's, it, there's going to be a lot of people. I mean, even myself, I'm thinking like, do I want to go on a plane anytime soon? I don't know. You know I mean? What, what, are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, an important criteria for me for almost all my longs is always to make sure that, you know, if the stock is down a lot tomorrow or some negative event happens, I have the confidence to back up the truck, 
right? And to add into weakness. And the reality is uh, with this, you know, with the changing facts, I think you really can't have that view for a lot of these stocks. Like the cruise lines, they may not make it. A lot of it's going to depend on, you know, government regulation, um, how willing, you know, banks and investment firms are willing to negotiate. You know, there's a lot of uh, variables there where stock's down 50 tomorrow. I don't really know if I'm going to have the confidence back at the truck. So those are uninvestable to me. You know, restaurants, um, a little bit more nuanced. You know, some restaurants probably not going to survive. You know, the, the stimulus, it's unclear how that's going to, you know, trickle down to restaurants, small and large. Obviously, everyone's hoping for the best. Um, but I think that's a that's a difficult space in general, though. I, I You know, there are some, I think uh, Sam alluded to earlier, there are, there are homage maybe, there are some themes coming out of that industry where some of the bigger players are probably going to take more share. And th there will be thematic plays, you know, there could be relative value plays within that. But for me, it's more, let's find the businesses that, um, you know, we can be more certain of. So they've, they've fallen just as much as everything else, um, but they shouldn't because they do have a stronger balance sheet. They do have, maybe they have more, uh, maybe they're an essential service, for example. There's a lot of different criteria where when everything's falling, you know, you know that there should be some opportunities. Absolutely. Well, this but, actually, but, but, oh, sorry. Let, let me ask you, Connor. So like when you say a strong balance sheet, right? How do you account for a revenue zero business and how long it's going to be like, since you don't know how long it's you know, going to be shut down for, right? Like you can have a pretty strong balance sheet, but not enough maybe to be shut down for, you know, nine months, right? Like, I don't know if you're a sports team, for instance, I mean, uh, anyway, I mean, like uh, maybe that's a bad example, but like, you don't know when you're going to come back, right? And you're, I'm seeing articles where they're saying they're not going to play sports until spring 2021, you know, like until there's a vaccine. So, I mean, I don't think anyone really can survive that long to some degree, right? At revenue zero. Um, well, yeah, no, look, I mean, uh, I think it really favors companies with net cash, but look, there are plenty of companies that can survive, a, you know, a year long slowdown, right? That have net cash on the balance sheet. Now there are a big percentage of companies that can't. Um, so I think, you know, look, the, the, the definition of a strong balance sheet has definitely changed, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Amid this COVID-19, like companies we thought maybe had good balance sheets uh, three months ago and, you know, were conservatively two times levered, right? Uh, that is not language being used anymore. Um, and so the, the definitions have changed, but, um, you know, also understanding cost structures is obviously more important than ever before. It's always important, but, you know, companies that have more variable cost structures versus fixed, uh, companies that you know own their properties versus lease them. You know all these types of all these types of things factor into um, you know how vulnerable are you to a prolonged slowdown. But what I've tried to shift my attention, and it is so difficult because uh, given the the, just the day to day moves and the headline sort of risk, but um, I've tried to focus my attention the best that I can to companies that I I really um, I really believe can survive and even longer than expected uh, COVID-19. Because again, I'm not trying to take like a COVID positive or negative view. I'm trying to take sort of a neutral consensus view um, and then find companies that can ideally outperform in either environment. Well, Connor, one more quick coming back to you. Maj, Jason, I want to get your opinions on all of this too. But, you know, so what are you seeing as, as more COVID neutral industries that are making the most sense to you to look at? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for example, like one theme of mine recently uh, has been online gambling, right? Uh, obviously, casinos are hurting um, in a very, in a very big way, basically all shut down in the US, most abroad as well. Uh, but people still want to gamble, right? And even with sports being 
uh, you know, almost all sports being shut down, people still want to gamble. And so you've seen a big shift to uh, sort of iCasino, people playing casino games online. There are a lot of opportunities, I think, in that space. Small players, large players, winners, losers. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time there because, you know, uh, one name, for example, I won't say the specific name, but I can say there were some stats that came out of Italy during like the middle of the quarantine, right? It was like ground zero in Europe, right? Uh, amid all that, all of that, online gambling in Italy was up, I think, 14% year over year, right? Just people, people are, are cooped up at home. They don't have anything to do and there are no sports to watch and so they gamble. So, you know, there are opportunities like that where it's like, you know, these things can still grow. Even in COVID-19, that's a really resilient industry. And even if casinos come back, you know there's going to be some permanent market share shift to online for these customers that weren't online before now they are and maybe they prefer the online experience maybe they're scared to go back to the casino right i, I see that as uh, both a short-term you know positive for that business and long-term sort of share shift so that's an example you know I, i've invested in some you know companies that supply things to grocery stores for an example like very defensive essential service i've got several essential services in the portfolio you know if everything is selling off why wouldn't you? It's, it's sort of about picking a risk right? Uh, if businesses survive, can get back to, you know, previous earnings power, there are going to be a lot of bargains, but what types of risks are you taking on and how COVID-19 sort of positive or negative are you rel positioned relative consensus? You know, I I'd rather just be in the safer businesses that have sold off a lot. Um, and, and where I know if they fall more, I can back up the truck because I know they can survive. So it's, it's, uh, it probably won't outperform, like, right, if you look at the things that outperform the most from the bottom of, you know, to, of the financial crisis, they were really levered things that were on the brink of survival, right? That's likely to be the case here too. Uh, however, you know, you, you're really earning your return by investing in those businesses and you're probably not going to sleep well at night either. So uh, I prefer the, the good businesses that I feel very confident can survive and I'm buying them cheap on a three to five year basis. Gotcha. All right. Well, Maj, I want to throw to you because, you know, I, I know you, you speak with management teams. quite. I know, I know everybody here speaks with management, management teams quite a bit, but uh, I know you do GM investing. You, you have some uh, management investor or uh, CEO video series. So I have to ask you, I mean, what, what would you say the discussion with management teams have been like now? Have, have those changed? I'm, I'm sure they have a little bit. Yeah, I, th I think, look, I mean, even, you know, I, I, I've been, talking every week to do on management to see how they've changed from, you know, they wanted to now. And, um, you know, like there's, there's still, they still don't know. It's, they don't even know how this is going to play out in terms of the, how it's going to their business, in, you know, longer term. Um, even the ones that, um, the companies that do feel that they're going to benefit, you know, benefit longer term, don't, don't understand necessarily how their business may be affected in the short term. And they're very cognizant of that. Um, but, um, you know, but it's really important when you're when I'm talking to these this management team, but they really have a do they have a a plan for what happens if this does last a year or eighteen months or whatever? And that's I, I want I want to hear what that plan might be. And also during the conversation, you know, I want to hear, you know, what what are they doing right now to maybe um, you know, pivot the business a little bit to make sure that they can um, you know, um, um, combat what's gonna to happen to them. Like so there was a company I was talking to that does a lot of um like um, uh, um, kind of customer engagement type of uh, work for retail um, and, and, you know, big, bo big box retail. And um, they had basically a lot of their business is going to get hurt. And a lot of their business, uh, now, they're, now they're already um, looking at solutions to do more of an online solution to what they were doing. So I just want to hear that kind of, you know, engagement. 
thought process management teams if they're ready for that. Um, what are they doing short term? You know, on the cost on, on the cost side and the balance sheet side, do they have the right? Do they have the balance sheet to weather the storm? And uh, what they what are they doing um, just in case it's just last longer than they expect? But I, I, I'm not really getting a uh, you're, expected. I don't think anyone knows how long this is going to last or what it means for them. And I wouldn't have if, if a management guy you know told me, hey, um, they have this, they know what's going on. I probably wouldn't believe them anyway. Um, <laughs> I remember back back when we had the uh, internet uh, internet crash, and I was in a, a little bit maybe a few weeks before the internet crash, and things were getting a little um, frothy. And I was talking to a semiconductor company, and oh, we're, no, we're, we're doing great. That's, you know, we 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 don't we see this all as you know this noise, and you know, boom, you know, and they, they were just totally wrong. <laughs> so. They don't always see it coming. And I, and I want to hear those management teams that, you know, admit that uh, up front end. So, I, mean, I haven't gotten much direction, but I am looking for right now is in trying to see, you know, the form four filings. And if I'm seeing, any, I'm trying to really follow the form four and insider buying kind of um, trends. I haven't seen a whole bunch yet from the companies I've, I've looked at. That's been a pretty good indicator in the past of um, in the nano cap, micro cap sector. Um, right. how, how management teams feel about their companies. Right. Buying. Yeah. No, I was I was just gonna say. I mean, because we've talked about that a few times. You know, you're very focused on looking at foreign floors and insider buying, and just seeing if that's any kind of indication as to how these management teams are feeling about their the current state of things. I guess. Yeah, because when we saw, um, I think it was at the fourth quarter of was it 17, uh, or uh, when when we had the, the the yield curve stuff and you know the market you know took a nosedive, um, saw a lot of um, was it was it 17. Or 18. 18. 18, I'm sorry, 18, yeah. And it was just an immediate, immediate response to that. Was I saw almost a lot of companies just buying back, I mean, insiders buying back, just don't, you know, buying back their stock. I'm not buying back, but increasing their position, their holdings and stuff. So um, I haven't seen a lot of that right now, but it, it was, it's, in the past, it's been a pretty good indicator for me to get some confidence. Gotcha. Now, also, I want to throw to Jason, because I think we can all agree we love hearing Jason, reading Jason's commentary on uh, – Microcap Club, and we know he's had some some good conversations, uh, probably in the last month or so, with some of his core holdings. So, I mean, what's what's your take on this as well? I mean, have you you're you have a unique ability to be able to uh, to get get the truth out of them as well with some I of mean, these questions. So, I, mean, I think one of the advantages of being a microcap investor, right? If you talk to management teams, and you can you can ask them questions, right? So, if you're concerned about the balance sheet. Oh, and you know, don't ask them what do you think about your balance sheet, right? If you think they're going to need $5 million, then ask them how would you raise $10 million, right? Where, would you, where can you get that, right? Can you go to a bank? Do you have to go to some other provider? What kind of interest rate would you have to pay, right? And, of course, nobody knows for sure, but you get some sense of what, they're, they're, what the cost of debt might be for that company. You know, it may, may be helpful in terms of pricing the equity out, right? So I think – uh, the other thing is, is like talking to management teams, I mean, in, even before coronavirus, right, you can touch base with them once every, every couple months, and that was good enough, perhaps, right? Now, you, you, you talk to a management team last week, uh, you know, this week, totally different, right? Because things are just changing so quickly and rapidly. But one thing I will say is I disagree a little bit with maybe some of the other, other people here, and such that I think that everybody, I mean, is... I, I, it's easier to fix like a mediocre balance sheet than it is to fix a mediocre business model. So I'd rather, or at least what I'm doing now, and maybe it was a little different even in late March because everything's changing so rapidly. But I think what's really interesting now is actually 
a better business model with a mediocre balance sheet. I'd rather take the risk of a little bit of a weaker balance sheet if I, if I believe the business model is just sound. Of course, you need a strong enough balance sheet, hopefully, to get through this, right? And, but I, I think some of these, you know, like you take a company like, uh, and I'll, I'll mention the name GAN, which, which I own, right? And I think probably some other people here own, online play, right, in, 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 uh, in gaming. You know, great business. But it's, it's no longer $70 or, uh, not 70, 70 or 100, right? Uh, uh, pence, whatever the heck it is, uh, trading over there in the UK. Right, I mean, it's 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 like dramatically higher. So, you, you like the conditions have changed even from a week or two ago. That in some ways you got to you got to look for the opportunity now. And I think actually it's almost worth. I mean, things are going to open up somewhat. I'd rather take a little bit of a balance sheet risk at this point in time. Gotcha. Yeah, anybody, uh, yeah, Jason. I would just say um, it, it is up a lot from the lows because it fell a lot. Uh, but I would say you know it, it like many other names, it's still down quite a bit from the highs and I think the mm -hmm. business long-term is stronger um, and a lot of catalysts there. And, and so not to belabor on any specific name, but I think there are a lot of names like that um, where, you know, yes, it has a strong balance sheet. Uh, that's a big check, right? It's cash flow positive through this period. That's a big check and it will benefit long-term from structural shifts. And so, uh, and I am long GAN by the way, uh, full disclosure, but uh, so if, you know, you think about a name like that, and I think it benefits in multiple different ways, and it's come down a lot from the high. So I'm not so concerned about where it is relative to the, you know, the all-time low, <laughs> uh, sure. right, amid this panic, illiquidity right. selling. Um, I'm, it's more about, does it trade at a reasonable multiple given the fact pattern today? And I think the answer, in my opinion, is no. And so if you can find those themes, I think that's very attractive. But I would also, I, I guess I would ask, throw a question back at you a little bit, because uh, when you say you know, I'd rather be in a good business model with maybe a mediocre balance sheet. I mean, isn't that inherently a somewhat sort of positive COVID-19 view, sort of we have to get back? Because if this does last longer than expected, you know, companies with mediocre balance sheets may not survive. Yeah, I, you know, it, it depends. I mean, I, right? I mean, I think we're, all of us in some ways are, are, are building some kind of assumption into, you know, when, when we when you buy like essential companies with very strong balance sheet, you're taking, you're making a choice too, right? Now, uh, and, and yes, I'm making a choice also with, with a, a mediocre balance sheet company. And I wouldn't necessarily build an entire portfolio around them. But I think it's just at this point in time, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say it's a little bit optimistic. But I, I, I do think that there's, you know, if you look at China, you look how some of these other, comp other countries are opening up. You know, there's a, there's, we are going to open up, uh, you know, some revenue will come back. Uh, and therefore, you know, I don't think it really pays to build out these, you know, zero revenue for a long time kind of models. I mean, I think you can do reduced revenue for some time. So I think actually a mediocre balance sheet may, la may be better, you know, maybe good enough in, in many cases. I want to agree with Jason on that too, in terms of like this doomsday scenario that a lot of people were talking about and, is it really a realistic scenario? And I was like, I, I came across an article today, you, you probably might have seen it, that crucial bookings for 2021 are already on the rise, you know, despite the COVID. So, you know, the, we're just creatures of habit. And I think that eventually this will be a, a memory for, you know, for many people in terms of how we live our life and stuff. So I, I kind of agree with that a little bit, um, Jason, any of that. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't want to disagree with Jason because uh, that's not, that's <laughs> not my no, no, no. <laughs> Jason's a smart guy. Uh, but I, I guess just, and, and look, it depends on, obviously, like nuance is very important here. So it depends on what your definition of mediocre balance sheet is, whatever. Um, but I guess what I would say is like, for example, to use the cruise ship example, like my understanding is, yes, they're on the rise, but that's predominantly from customers who had, uh, you know, ships canceled and now they're using a free credit, which has to be applied in a future period. So it's not like you really have organic, uh, you know, booking, excel bookings accelerating. In fact, you don't have any cash inflow at all because they already collected the cash and they just given you a credit. So, you know, I, I wouldn't look at something like that and, and without looking at the fine print because it could be misleading. And, you know, when you look at China as well, uh, I, and again, I don't want to paint a very bearish view. I, I tend to be more optimistic, but, um, I also want to make sure that my portfolio companies can survive. And, and when you look at something like China, I mean, we don't know what the second wave could look like, right? Um, we, we don't know. Like, my understanding is they've already had to re-shut down some, some feeders and other, and other things that had opened up. And so, um, I, I, you know, I think the market right now is gyrating between, you know, we're all clear to doomsday. And uh, the, like most things, the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I guess what I would say is I do think that there are opportunities out there in businesses with very safe balance sheets that are cheap. Um, and why not, you know, why not find those, particularly if you can invest in small micro caps, like, you know, small micro caps uh, underperformed on the way up. They've underperformed on the way down. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that have fallen a lot that I think are pretty safe. And I think there, there are opportunities out there that allow you to be a little bit uh, less bold, I, I guess, on COVID-19, and you're still buying at a cheap multiple for a, a pretty high quality business. That, that's, my, that's my approach, but uh, certainly hope that we, that we open up and, um, um, you know, ultimately most businesses with, with good business models likely will survive, but uh, trying to take sort of a neutral COVID-19 stance. Yeah, I agree with Connor on that too, because there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a, what about the scenario of like you're saying is, Comes out falling with you know great balance sheets and great models. You know there's some really mispricing there too. So you might not have to buy. You know you might have to go to a year balance sheet. You know, the valuations are so out of disconnect right now that that's an interesting you know way of looking at it too. And that's how I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm really looking for. These great balance sheets with you know good models that I can get really cheap. Um, Sam, I, I think I saw that you also had to take two. So what what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, just on Connor's point, like Singapore was kind of like seen as handling this crisis really well. But, you know, earlier this month, they shut down their casinos for a month and shut down a lot of businesses. So, I mean, I, I see what I mean, I kind of agree with what Connor's saying. He's kind of got to prepare for the worst and obviously hope for the best. But um, I think there are, you know, if you have a good quality business like Jason is talking about, e even if your balance sheet is mediocre, you have you probably have better access to capital than a poor business. Right. So um, it'll help them survive, get to get to get through this period and get to that three to five year time period that Connor is looking at. So, um, but yeah. Oh, so, not even clear. I, don't, I do not like the cruise ship industry, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> I don't know. I, I heard long was yeah. well, the, the report did say that there, there was a significant amount of new bookings too, but you know, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't like the industry at all. I'm just, he doesn't like the industry, but he loves cruises. <laughs> I hate cruises too. No, I hate it even more. <laughs> I, I was promised if I did this panel, we, we would do the next year's version on a cruise ship. I don't know. Oh, and yeah. No, for, for sure. That Actually, that's our next conference. We're going to be on, all of go. us on a cruise ship and 
I'm sure everyone <laughs> will love it. Uh, so hey, one, thing, one thing I got to toss in for disclosure purposes, I actually also am long gain as well. So. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Maj, where are you, when are you going to go long gain? Enjoy I that. You convinced me. Because it's turned into a GAN panel. Full disclosure, I am not a shareholder. Yeah, gambling. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, one of, the, one of the questions that we talked about um, prior to, to our panel today that I, I would love to hear everyone's opinion. You guys kind of alluded to it a little bit, but, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in, in the trenches, you know, kind of the, the practical things that you did. You know, you saw the news. Things are going down. All right, got to do this, got to do that. Loading up the truck, you know, selling, buying, whatever, you know, whatever it is. You know, I, I want to hear what some of those moves were when, pardon my French, but the shit hit the fan, right? So, um, you know, I, Sam, let's go right back to you and then we'll, we'll go from there. I started, I started to short a lot more things that were uh, bad businesses. Um, you know, there's some perpetually, you know, notorious microcaps that keep raising capital. And so, um, and we're bad businesses as well. So the, that I started shorting more. Um, even though the cost to borrow them were, was, you know, double digits, didn't matter to me. Um, and then there were some, I mean, there are some businesses now that, you know, like Connor saying, I'm, I'm starting to load up the truck even more. You know, I'm, I'm hope, I wish I had more capital I could load up or, you know, I don't want to make a position too big of my portfolio. So that's really limiting me in certain positions. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've been kind of doing is making sure that, you know, some of them have mediocre balance sheets, but they own the real estate you know, or they have other assets. So, you know, they have, you know, backing to that, to the, to the debt that they have. So, um, you know, they have options, they can maneuver and do things in case things last for a long time. Um, but I mean, really on a day to day, it's not day to day, but like what's, what's changing for me is what my base case looks like coming out of this. Um, and I try to be pretty conservative on that in terms of how long I think it takes things to reopen, you know, what percent it goes up to, um, you know, I, I think one of the things a lot of people don't talk about in hindsight is that when things were very small and there wasn't a, a big amount of people sick in this country or, or positive, at least, um, you know, it, it, it potentially is possible to contain. And we, we could have done a better job of doing something like Singapore or who knows if, you know, one of these treatments works or you can take it prof prophylactically. You know, that could, you know, there's a lot of things here that can be potentially a game changer, um, but you can't depend, you can't count on that, right? So. Um, I mean, I think that there are things potentially that can happen where, you know, three, four, five months down the line, we could be living a somewhat normal life. Um, you know, but you have to give probabilities or odds to that. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, some people are more optimistic than others. Um, so, but again, we, we can't keep things closed down forever. Like people are going to uprise against, you know, like I have friends and, you know, even our own companies, right. They have businesses that can't be like physically, you're not allowed to open. Right. And, they're like, we have no issue. We're not, nobody's sick with us. You know, like we can run this and, you know, manage it. And, you know, our employees are young and, you know, things of that sort. And, you know, if you keep them shut for three months, four months, you know, they're going to, um, you know, be very, very angry. Um, and you, you already see that already. Like even like right now, like yesterday I went out and I drove to, to around LA a little bit and, you know, the streets were actually pretty crowded, like a lot of cars. And last week it wasn't that busy. And so this is Jan, uh, sorry, April 14th. And, you know, they just announced here that they're closing the city of LA till May 15th. Um, so, you know, I don't know. And it's not even that bad here in terms of the count, the number of positives. 
compared to other cities. Um, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> just more shorting. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. More, more, more shorting. Exactly, exactly. For sure. Connor, how about you? What's, what's uh, in the trenches? What's been going through your mind? What's been your day-to-day when everything went down? Yeah. Um, it, it felt like every, every day in March was like its own year. Um, your facts <laughs> were changing so quickly. And, you know, I, I would say the first thing I did once I realized, um, you know, how bad this could be, uh, was get out of the names that were most exposed where the facts had clearly changed. And, you know, that was a painful process because, um, you know, there were two names in particular. I owned one restaurant and I owned one regional casino. And I thought the theses were playing out pretty well, particularly the restaurant and, um, uh, you know, had great comps in Q4, like really there was an exciting upside, but the reality is um, they were both highly exposed to, uh, you know, the COVID-19 risks and, and, and had leverage, uh, both financial and operational. And so number one was, you know, take your medicine um, and, and, and get out. Uh, you know, I think number two was sort of hunker down in names that you understand pretty well. Right. I think when the facts are changing really quickly, it's it's the time to take advantage of the cumulative research that you've done in the past on you know names you own currently in your portfolio, names you used to own, names that are on your watch list you've done a lot of work on. You know, exploit the work you've already done. Uh, you know, valuations that you already have a good feel for. Talk to management teams you've already talked to plenty of times before, because if you have a good sense of where value is and the flexibility of a cost structure, a balance sheet, how management team will react you can leverage that when everyone else is panicking. And so I think number two is hunker down in names you know really well um, and, and you know, are comfortable backing up the truck if things do get worse. Uh, again, with sort of a good balance sheet kind of view. And then number three is you know, focus, on, um, you know, f- focus on sort of three, year, three to five year numbers, which is sort of my, my process. Don't get away from that. It's really tempting when everyone's focused on day to day and you're getting wild swings, limit up, limit down, like every day. Um, but I think if you're in businesses that can survive the storm and you've already done a lot of work and you can spend your time talking to management teams, you know, getting more comfortable with your numbers um, and taking a three-year view, you will have an advantage because everyone else is focusing on the day-to-day. So those are sort of the three strategies I've tried to mostly focus on. Um, and obviously it, it's, it's not easy and like, you know, uh, you, you get stressed and, and limit up and limit down days are, are can be crazy, but um, that's, that's the strategy I employed. And, and that's sort of what keeps me sane is stay focused on the process. Very good. So then Jason, in the trenches, what was going through your mind? I mean, it, it's, you know, I wear two hats, right? Cause I'm a, I'm a full-time business and in essence, like a full-time investor, right? So uh, I was talking to, right. I'm planning to talk to uh, one management team, like, they do pain protection film, right, for, for automobiles. And 45 minutes before that phone call, uh, you know, I found out that one of my employees is, is in the hospital, right? So, you know, it, it sort of adds an extra degree of gravity and seriousness to this whole situation, right? So, and, and it's difficult sometimes to, to act clearly when you're not thinking clearly, right? So the first thing you got to do is you got to make sure, like, are you thinking Clearly, if you're particularly emotional at that moment, then step away, come back. You don't have to enter in that trade if your mind's not clear, right? 
knows what the price will be five from now, but it could be higher, it could be lower by 10%, you know, <laughs> these days, right? So you got to always act when you're like, you're thinking clearly, right? But I mean, I, I did very similar to what, what Connor did was like, go through, you see which, which was, you know, the, the world has changed, right? There's certain positions that like, you know, that you don't want to be in anymore, right? You may have like even thinking to yourself, why did I even buy it in the first place, right? Probably time to, to boot those positions out. You can always go back, enter in, in, into them again, but just with fresh eyes, right? So that was that was the first thing, um, and also is is that you you start really questioning the management teams about how much of your your overhead structure is really variable versus fixed, and sometimes you find out that actually it's it's much more variable than perhaps you thought, uh, and that's that that you know that cash burn that they have. Or, 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 or they may have is really quite important. And the last thing I would just say is that uh, one probably is undervalued is the creativity of certain management teams. Some management teams are just more creative in finding ways of, of, of finding solutions, right? And there's no, there's, you can't pull up a Yahoo Finance chart and see what, you know, what kind of creativity they have. That's another reason why it's always important to sort of talk with certain management teams to get a feel for them. Very good. All right. And then, and Maj, what, you were in the trenches. What, what were you doing? Yeah, so that was a, that's a great point. Uh, really awesome point you made there. They, some management teams just, just figure it out and they, they're just, they can pivot. I mean, it was a stock I came across that, that I, I shouldn't say I own it. Um, and for, for several years and it's had to have a metal fabricating business and they're, now they're making um, um, metal for, you know, hospital beds. And I, you know, it's, just, it's interesting kind of, this pivot they made there and um so yeah that's a great point you made there um but yeah i think when the um you know when this first half first i had to believe that this was really gonna be a problem you know and i, w I was in how seriously do you want to take it and i didn't want to make a decision like right away on that and you know alter my whole portfolio based on that you know then when it became real this is a problem then i, then I had to make a decision okay what am i going to do here am, am, am i going to be a you know stick with my guns to be a long-term investor and think long term and once I was able to be in that frame of mind, I said, okay, well, I'm going to eat the pain in the stocks I like in my portfolio and just deal with it. And like Connor said, and Connor said, then de-risk, you know, where, where can I de-risk my portfolio to where it doesn't make sense. And um, those are hard decisions. And it was really hard emotionally because, uh, you know, when you make a decision and you, th and you think you're making the right decision, you want to, you know, you want to invest long-term, you read all the stats about investing long-term, why it's better. Um, but you know, it doesn't make it any feel better when you see your portfolio getting decimated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did a lot I, 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 the very first part of it. And once I made the decision, like, you know what, I made a decision, I de-risked and I wasn't going to make any, I was like, I got to step away now. Let me go start taking more walks, more jogs, just, just getting away from the computer. Uh, not making any, you know, I didn't want to interview anybody at that point. Imagine because I didn't want to have that, any, any, any outside influence at all. Uh, so I went away and I was comfortable with my decision and then I started, okay, slowly getting back into the research process, you know, not watching the quotes really figuring out who I want, you know, going back and really calling the, the teams over and over again, the CEOs that I, that I invested in, hearing their view, feeling more comfortable what they're doing, because I was, you know, having a calmer mind doing that. And then, you know, the next step, once I've realized that, okay, I feel comfortable holding stocks, uh, now do I want to add more? Yeah, okay, and now, and then finally, are there any new companies I want to take a look at that I met, that I wanted to buy, you know, two years ago that I missed? that were expensive and have come down and do I want to maybe, you know, polish my portfolio with these, with these new companies. Um, and I'm spending a lot more time, you know, doing, a, I always do a lot of research, but not really spending more time doing research uh, and less time, you know, looking at my portfolio and looking at stocks and looking at the day to day. 
Um, and just, um, I find that kind of refreshing actually. And it kind of gets you, these, these kind of moments kind of reset you sometimes, reset your portfolio, but it can also reset your mind frame in terms of doing research again and loving it again and getting more involved in that and getting away from the day to day um, that um, the market tries to suck you into all the time. Absolutely. All right, guys. So we're at that point. Um, I want to get everybody's final take, you know, whatever it is, investing and otherwise, you know, parting advice, parting tools, any, anything in that, in that nature. So let's get everyone's thoughts there. So I'm going to start again with Connor and then we'll, we'll go through everyone. Uh, parting advice. Um, okay. I, I guess I would say, you know, stick to your process, right? Um, you know, if, 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 if you're losing confidence in your process based on, you know, a big move in a stock or uh, a bit, you know, a big move in your portfolio one day to the next, then maybe that's not the right process for you. I, you know, I, I think understanding your own process and sticking to it and just adapting it rather than, um, you know, scrapping it, right. Uh, for, for, as new facts emerge, I think is important. Um, Cause ultimately there are, there are a lot of ways to succeed. Um, you know, I've outlined sort of how I've approached it. There are other ways uh, that can succeed long-term, but I think it's really important to um, be really committed to, to your process. And uh, so you're not just, you know, fluctuating uh, based on sort of the market's mood from one day to the next. Gotcha. All right, Sam. I, I think that what this whole situation has um, you know, brought to light to not just me, but to a lot of other people in just investment management in general is that what's great about investing in microcap businesses that you can't get with real estate or, you know, investing in a private business is liquidity. So we can talk now about, you know, how do we, what, what do we get out of? What do we get into? You know, what opportunities are out there? A lot of real estate investors, you know, it's pretty much frozen that, that market, you know, and, and private businesses, like who's selling private businesses at these times? You know, nobody. And so if you're stuck in a bad business, if you're, if you're in the hotel industry right now and something like this happens and you can't survive, like that's it, you're, you're out. You, you, get, you get absolutely no value. But you know, as a microcap investor, you're allowed to sell. So I think this is like reinforced to me and I think it should reinforce to others that um, you know, being a microcap does have value because of the liquidity. Um, so I think that's, that's one parting take that I would give to people who just invest out in, in general in any asset class. Jason? I think these kinds of crises, whether it was like the, uh, the 2008 crisis or this one here, are really just a great opportunity to upgrade your portfolio, right? Um, really, the like, like Connor alluded before, whether and there's just opportunities really to get into a better business that at, at, at a reasonable price that you don't simply find in, in normal conditions. And so you really want to take advantage of that. The other thing what I would suggest is that if, if, if for people out there who like have not out to a management team uh, in the past, this is really the opportunity to do it, either through booking one-on-ones to say at your conference or, or to reaching out to them just at other times, right? This is, this is I don't know, if, you're, if you've got a lot of money in microcaps, this is really the time to sort of reach out and, and talk to management and, and get them to answer some of the questions that you have, uh, hopefully before dumping some position that you feel uncomfortable about. But the last thing I would say is that, you know, time and time again, we've always seen that, like, in any of these crises, it never pays to bet against America, right? Since 1776, you never short, you never short the United States, right? So even though I, I, I hate to be called an optimist, you're supposed to be called to be balanced, but I think there is 
the opportunity out there to, to look a few years out and to, to just to be comfortable and to be confident that things will get better as they always have, right? So, and just to make sure that you, the companies you're investing in can reach that point, but have the confidence to know if they reach that point, things will be okay. Perfect. And Maj? I, I think it's a great time to move forward. No, no matter how bad you feel about uh, your, what has happened to you, uh, you know, your portfolio, just emotionally, it's just really important to just take a step back and know, move forward. You know, things are going to get better. And it's a really a great opportunity when these things happen to reset, like I said earlier, relook at your investment process. What did you do wrong? You know, how can you improve it? And, you know, build on the things if you had success that have you know, worked in the past and just keep doing that. Um, that's to me, that's always been good. For, I know every time I've been involved in one of these you know, kind of crashes or resets, it's, it's that's always reminded me, Hey, I, there's some junk I have in my portfolio. Why did I do that? I shouldn't be doing that. Um, and it's a great opportunity to, you know, just to make your portfolio stronger and come out of this stronger. And you'll be amazed if you do that. Um, and I think you all agree with this, how fast your portfolio can recover uh, when you end up getting rid of some of the stuff you maybe shouldn't have had, or isn't going to, or have to admit, isn't going to survive um, or do, do as well um, in this environment. And maybe you have to make choices there. Well, I need to, you know, there's companies I really should be in, um, maybe new companies or even invest more in the, in the strong ones I have. So um, I think that's how I was, uh, how I'm looking at it right now. And I'm feeling better about it and just loving to bring me back to doing, you know, intense research and looking at the process again and seeing what I can do better. It's always a learning process, always evolving. And you get, you get better with each one of these actually. That's for sure. And if I could have my own take, uh, it's going to be more of a life take. It's just uh, definitely been embracing just being thankful and grateful for, uh, you know, family and friends for health and, just, uh, just hoping the same for everybody as well, you know, and really just, just staying safe and being healthy. Like that's, and, and listen to all the guidelines that are out there. <laughs> yeah. Be healthy. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, uh, you know, don't be a ding dong and, uh, you know, think everything is, uh, uh, okay when it might not be yet. So just continue to listen to the guidelines and, uh, and being safe. So with that, Let's get everybody's uh, where, where, uh, website, where they can contact you, find more information. Uh, let's go reverse order. So Maj, uh, where can everybody find everything they need to know about you and uh, GeoInvesting? Yeah, you can come to uh, GeoInvesting.com. That's G-E-O, Investing.com. Um, you can send me an email directly at Maj, M-A-J, at GeoInvesting.com um, if you want to learn more about what you do. Yeah. Cool. Jason? Well, you can reach me at uh, Jason at Hudson215Capital.com. You can find me at, at uh, ATRAC180 on Twitter. And I'm also uh, ATRAC on the Microcap Club. And Sam? You can find our firm's info at RidgewoodInvestments.com or you could email me at Sam at RidgewoodInvestments.com. Connor? Uh, so yeah, you can find more information on the fund at uh, altafoxcapital.com and then I also have a Twitter handle, uh, altafoxcapital. Perfect. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on this panel. I really, I couldn't appreciate you guys more. And uh, look, I look forward to seeing you guys all soon. You know, uh, it's been a while and uh, just again, stay safe, stay healthy and uh, chat soon. Thanks guys. Thanks a lot guys. Thank you.